I wish we had a big table and we were all just sitting around and had some food and we could just spend a couple hours together. I typically only preach about 20 to 25 minutes. It might be a little bit longer to this today um, because I've got so much to tell you. I've got so much to encourage you about. Uh, like Tracy said, when, when Matt shared what they were thinking about doing and the possibility of a new building, I instantly felt like God said, give into that ministry. And so I, I prayed and we were at a pastor's conference. We were together just at Deep Creek there in, in Missoula. And, and I felt like 5,000 was the figure. And, and I wanted to tell him right away. And I felt God said, no, don't. And uh, later on, he was sharing more of his heart. And, and it just came the right time. And God said, tell him now. And so I told him, and he even shared with me last night that one of the reasons why you guys went ahead and pulled the trigger was the fact that we were coming alongside you. So it was just cool to know that our encouragement and investing into, um, into that new building, into you guys as a church, um, it was so important. So uh, let me give a little bit of background uh, of who I am. First of all, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's who defines me. Uh, my first assignment in life for 33 years was to be in the film and video industry. I've done hundreds of television shows. I've done shot thousands of sporting events. I've done lots of different music videos. Just, you name it. I've done stuff with NASCAR. I've done a lot of different things. But in 2012, that all changed. Uh, we were on about a three-month trip, and God said that I would be a pastor someday. And I thought that was some really bad pizza. Um, <laughs> Because that was never on my list to do. I never, ever wanted to be a pastor. I it just, I, I, I grew up with people that were called into the ministry. Um, I know going through youth group, I had a lot of friends that went to school to be in the ministry. That just wasn't me. I would just say it wasn't. And so I said, after arguing with God for a while, I said, all right, I, I will do it, but I'm not going to make it happen. I'm just, I'm just I mean, I'm, I'm willing but I'm not saying anything, and I didn't. And so uh, we were attending Revive Missoula, and it was Clark Fork City Church at the time, and uh, Josh started getting a heart for the Bitterroot. And then in 2017, uh, or actually 2016, God told him that we would be one church in four locations. And so we launched downtown, that was a location, but then Josh said, hey, we need to go to the Bitterroot. So we changed our name to Revive, so we can't go to the Bitterroot to, with Clark Fork. That's two different rivers. doesn't work. can't be a city church in the country. Uh, we're located about 25 miles south of Missoula in the Bitterroot Valley. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, we launched in 2018, April 1st, Easter weekend, 2018. You can make all kinds of jokes about that. We started with about 35 people, and we're currently running about 190 in two services. Not, not 190 per service, but 190 combined in two services. And so God has really, really blessed us. And it's not about me. It's about what God is doing. I got a great team, Buck Rodolph. Uh, Jamie was here, actually did the design work on your new building. Um, they're our right-hand couple, and we, just, we got a great team, and God's really, really blessed us. My wife Ann and I have been married for 30 years. I think I've got a picture there of us. If you want to bring that up, it's my wife Ann. And we've been married for 30 years as of December 29th of last year. 
Courtney, my oldest daughter, she was here on Friday. She leads worship for us. And my middle daughter, uh, Callie, she leads worship at Revive Missoula occasionally. Also fills in a little bit at Revive Bitterroot. And then um, my youngest, who is right here, she just got married last weekend. So I now have a son-in-law. I asked him if he was, I was like, oh man, I got support now. He's like, uh-uh. I'm smart enough to, to know not to side with you. So anyway, I guess I don't. It is very exciting that you will soon be in a new building. And I know you guys are excited about it. I know that it's difficult to come here every week and set up, tear down. Kids' spaces are limited. I know there's a lot of limiting factors. But despite the endless possibilities and opportunities the new building will provide for Rivers Edge Church, I would need to remind you of one thing, and one thing that you have got to remember. The building is not the church. The building is not what defines you. It's you. It's each individual. Oh, I was told to stay between these televisions. Forgot we were online. Hello, everybody online. Thanks for joining us. I will stay closer. I am sorry. It's not what defines River's Edge. The building that you are in doesn't define you. It's you, the individual person. It's the love that you have for each other. You as a family are the church. It's the relationships. It's the love you show your community. That is what represents God. That is what will define River's Edge to Spokane, Washington. Jesus was very clear when he spoke to his disciples in John 13, verses 34 and 35. It says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. River's Edge Church, if you want to radically change the neighborhood that God is planting you into, that he's chosen to put you into, you need to love one another. And you need to love one another well. You need to love one another so deeply that they can't help but notice that there's a difference. In a world that's so radically divided right now, kindness is hard to find, isn't it? I mean, you can't even find it on Facebook. It's amazing. Somebody will list, somebody will list an item for sale, and before you know it, there's five bad comments because they're charging too much. Or It's just crazy. The civility is just... It's not there anymore. But guess what? That gives us an opportunity to shine so much brighter as a church, as a loving followers of Jesus Christ. So today I want to speak on the subject that I'm super passionate about. I want to explore the subject of our authority as a believer and our authority as a church. Before I begin, I want to start set, set a few ground rules. The authority that I speak of is not authority on our own, all right? Our authority as a believer comes from us being in Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Apart from Jesus, we have no authority. Our authority and power comes from our Lord and Savior and for us being plugged into the Holy Spirit. The power and authority that we have as Christ followers and as a church come from Him we are the conduit for His dominion and power to be exercised here on earth. As I teach on authority, please remember that we must stay in the will of God as well. 
We can't be outside the will of God and use that authority. John 15, 4 and 5 speaks of this exact same, same exact thing. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is authority? Authority is the power to, or right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience. It's like Tracy Batterson. He's got authority. It's simply the right to command, to direct, and control outcome. Synonyms for authority are words like power, influence, jurisdiction, dominion, and rule. Quite frankly, and some of you may be sitting there right now going, wait a second, I don't like authority. All right, we don't like being told what to do in the Pacific Northwest, do we? All right, we're pretty independent people. We don't like authority. And authority has been given a bad name because man has misused authority. It's been misused a lot. But we have been given spiritual authority and dominion. And if you can understand how to use it properly, how to walk in that authority that is backed by the living God and given, us, given to us through Jesus Christ, our high priest, then we can change the world. That's right. So here's where I challenge your doctrine. You ready for this? God does not have all authority here on earth. Tracy, don't text Pastor Matt yet. Hold on. Just wait. Let me explain. Hear me out. God is all sovereign. God can do anything He wants. But in order for Him to work here on earth, he has to have a man to work through. He has to have you and I. When I say man, I don't mean just male. I mean male and female. He has to have a person to work through on this earth. Why? Because man has been given authority on earth. And that's the way God set it up from the beginning. Psalms 115 verses 16 from the NIV says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Passion translates it and puts it this way. The heavens belong to our God. They are His alone. But He has given us the earth and has put us in charge. Where did this authority first show up in the Bible? Way back in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, God spends five days creating the earth. He did it by speaking, which is proof one that our words are super powerful and is a whole different sermon series. But He created the earth by speaking, and on the sixth day, he created man. Let's start reading in Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you've been created in the image of God. Have you, can you grasp that? You are an exact likeness of God. You are his child. Therefore, you're heir of the kingdom. You've been given authority here on earth. 
Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. So what did God do next? He rested. Why? Because he was tired? No. Because he rested because he had given authority of the earth to man. He was done. He created it. He gave it to man. He gave it to Adam and Eve and said, subdue it. Advance my kingdom here on earth. Take the garden and expand it, is what I think the plan was. The Garden of Eden was supposed to be all of earth. Well, we know it got derailed, but man had authority from the very beginning. Still don't believe that Adam was given authority on earth. After God created Adam, what did Adam do next? Anybody? Name the animals. We often look at that as him just naming the animals. But what he was actually doing, it was calling them to what they would be. It wasn't just a simple, you're a giraffe or you're a zebra. It was, you are a giraffe. That is you. That is what you are. You are an elephant. He was, he was with his words, he was speaking what they would be. So his first act of authority on earth, um, that was Adam. So God spoke into existence the earth, and then he gave the power of life and death to Adam, and Adam's word declared what these animals would be. So our authority is God-given. So listen close and lean into this point. We are required to use our authority, and if we will step out in that authority, the power of God will change our circumstances. Oh, you, that was, you guys didn't really realize that, how good that was. I mean, that was kind of tweetable, but let me read it again. We are required to use our authority, and if we will step out in that authority, the power of God will change our circumstances. See, religion uses God's sovereignty as a crutch, and, and if things aren't going as the way they should. I mean, we've all heard people say, oh, well, God's sovereign, brother. God's ways are higher than my ways. You're right. God is sovereign. And God's ways are higher than our ways. But he's given us authority. He's given us a job to do. We've got to take authority over the one who roams around like a lion seeking whom he destroys. Have you taken time to release the power of the Holy Spirit into the situation? If you dare to step out in that authority, God promises to back it up with his full power. See, we don't heal the sick, but we speak healing, don't we? We don't set the captive free, but we use the authority to bind the demons. And our God in heaven backs our authority with his superior power. See, it's, it's like the power company. Avista, right? Avista is your power company. When you get home at night, do you call Avista and say, would you please turn on my lights? Yeah, you laugh, right? No, you have the authority to walk up to the wall and flip the switch. The power comes from Avista. Are you getting this relationship with God? We have the authority. We need to speak. The power, we don't have the power to change lives, 
But if we will take the authority, God's power will flow and he will change lives. God's power brings light to the darkness, but we must first take authority over that darkness. See, if we don't understand our authority, then we spend most of our lives calling upon the power source, God, to change the things around us. But in all reality, He is waiting for us to flip the switch. We are desperately praying for God to change the culture in our schools, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, when He is waiting for us to use our authority to bind the enemy, to release the spirit of peace and joy, and to start loving people with the love and grace that He died to give them. God wants to partner with you and I to accomplish His kingdom here on earth now. Not when Jesus comes back. That will be accomplished for sure. But He wants the kingdom to come now. He wants us to walk in our authority, the same authority that Adam lost in the garden, but Jesus redeemed for us on the cross. If you look through the Old Testament, there is examples of this concept all the time of God using man. I mean, take for instance the Israelites coming out of Egypt. When they got to the Red Sea, it could have already been parted, right? They could have just not missed a step and just went on through. But what had to happen? Moses had to raise his staff, and then God parted the waters. That's an example of God working through man. Another example is the battle against the uh, Amalekites. In Exodus 17, verse 11, it says, As long as Moses held up his hands... The Israelites were winning, but when he lowered his hands, the Malachites were winning. There's story after story of God partnering with man and him waiting or wanting us to accept that authority that he's given us to accomplish what he wants to here on earth. Matthew 18, verses 18, 19, and 20 give us another example of us having authority on earth authority backed by the creator of heaven and earth, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It says, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid or bind or lock on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit or loose or open on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among you. Now that sounds like authority to me. How about you guys? Yeah? God is telling us in these verses that we can bind the enemy here on earth and he will back that with his power and he will bind the enemy on earth and in heavenly realms. We can also loose Holy Spirit to work on his behalf. So a lot of what I've talked about so far is our authority as a believer, as an individual. But what about the church? What about us as a church family? The use of the word church to refer to who we are really didn't happen until 1557. The word church was made up by a guy by the name of Theodore Beza. He essentially invented it, and it was it kind of referred to a religious hierarchy or governing body. Um, Then King James, 
he didn't like the original word used for church, and so he demanded that that word be used through the King James Version. But in the original word was ecclesia. Some people say ecclesia, but I've always pronounced it ecclesia. That is a very, very powerful word, and it means way more than just our English language as church. Ecclesia means we're called out and assembled for a purpose and for making final decisions. That word describes a, a final say in Greek government. So when it was used, the pe people in Greece, or the Greek language, they knew what that meant. That meant final authority. It was not a mistake that Jesus, the disciples, and the apostles all used the word ecclesia to describe the church. Jesus intended his church to have final authority. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Jesus, using the word ecclesia, made it very clear that his kingdom and the people of his kingdom were to have wide-reaching final authority over everything that happened here on earth. The problem is, I see that most congregations have been reduced down to the connotation of the English word, now used for its name. We're just a church. We're simply a gathering of believers, or, or we're a place. And it's not bad to say, I'm going to church. I mean, that's just what we've gotten used to. But the church is us, and the church has authority. It's not just a social club. It's not just a place where we come together and have barbecues. or we, It's a place of authority. We are called to be the ecclesia, the authority. If it's wrong, don't hide it. Speak out against it. Bind the enemy and loose the Holy Spirit to bring righteous and goodness to the situation. Now, I'm not advocating that we have civil civil disorder, or that we become a politically machi political machine. I especially don't think that we should argue our point on Facebook. It gets us nowhere. But Jesus clearly gave us authority over every power of the enemy. He gave us authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gave us clear instructions that we should bind and loose, and he will back that with all the power of heaven. All we need to do is flip the switch. All we need to do, we need to be giving, sorry, we need to be a life-giving, hope-serving, love-infused, grace-filled church that uses our authority to bring change to our culture and build God's kingdom. That's what we're supposed to be. That's what we need to be. So let's bring some practical application to our authority. Debbie Plazinski of International House of Prayer in Kansas City writes, We have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. We need to bring, we need to begin to exercise a sense of ownership for our cities. We are called to bring into subjection demonic powers and disciple the nations. We are called to subdue the earth spiritually, affecting change through Christ's authority. God is waiting for us to use our authority. So how do we walk in the authority that God has given us and he's waiting for us to use? First of all, we, we do it by walking in humility. Authority can be prideful. We've all seen it. We've all seen it misused. But we must remain humble. I read a story a few weeks ago that points out how 
authority become, can become arrogant and it becomes dangerous. A DA officer stopped at a ranch in eastern Washington and he was talking with an old rancher. He told the rancher, I need to inspect the ranch for any illegal grown drugs. The rancher said, okay, but don't go over into that field over there. The DA officer, he got just livid. He's like, what? I will go anywhere I want to. Takes his badge out. You see this badge? I am backed by the authority of the state of Washington, and I will go where I want to, and you can't say anything about it. Rancher says, okay. I'm clear. That's fine. You're welcome to go where you want to. So the rancher, he, he goes about his chores, and short time later, the old rancher, he hears a scream from the pasture, and he looks out, and the DA officer's running for his life, the bull right behind him, just chasing him as fast as he can. And the DA officer's screaming, help, help. And the rancher runs to the fence and says, show him your badge. <laughs> as we operate in our authority, we must remain humble. Because the power to change doesn't come from us. We have the authority but the power comes from God Almighty. That's what keeps us humble. We're not healing the sick, but we are speaking healing. We're not casting out the demons. Well, we are by our words, but the power to cast out that demon comes from God. Second, we've already touched on it, we must use our words to bind and loose. Matthew 18 tells us that. River's Edge, you can use your God-given authority to change West Central Spokane. You're about to go into that neighborhood. And as I look around that neighborhood, just two days ago, there were people sleeping on your front entryway, on the old front entryway in the archway. Um, last night when we left at 10.30, there was a lady there. You could tell she was completely strung out on drugs and uh, just kind of wandering and murmuring. There are a lot of demonic powers and a lot of things that you can take authority over. And when you get into that new building, it's not just a building for you guys to be comfortable in. It's going to bring a lot of great comfort. It's going to bring a lot of great possibilities. But you also need to use your authority to change West Central Spokane. You can bind sickness. You can bind wickedness. You can bind poverty. You can bind the spirit of suicide. And all power and authority in heaven will back your demand and it will be done. But the important thing is, is you should never stop at just binding. I think the most powerful thing that we can do with our authority is to bring heaven on earth and release goodness on earth. We have the authority to release blessings on our cities, on our schools, on our neighbors, and our neighborhoods. You, each and every one of you, has the authority to bring righteousness to any situation. You can bring goodness with your authority. You can bring justice to an unjust situation. You can bring life where death has been dominating. You can bring rightness and decency where perversion and sin once reigned. How? By walking in your God-given authority and using your words to bind and loose. Not by might, not by arguing on Facebook, not by guns ablazing, though in Montana we love our guns, but by the authority that God has given us to speak blessings 
to speak life, to take dominion and authority over the enemy and what he's trying to accomplish at our front door. See, if Satan is behind it, we have authority over it. We have authority to bind him and his minions and loose the power of the Holy Spirit in all situations. How many times do you, and I'm guilty of this myself, I'm very much convicted of it, but how many times do we drive through our neighborhoods just listening to music, wandering, just thinking, not really paying attention, when we should be driving through our neighborhoods releasing blessings on our neighbors, binding the enemy as we drive through that neighborhood, asking the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of each individual on our block and in our, in our, in our neighborhoods. Take that time to bind the enemy as you go to work and loose the Holy Spirit as you come home. Bring change to your neighborhoods. Third, the most effective way, and I think we've lost the significance of this powerful tool, and that is prayer. Sometimes people just check out in prayer when you talk about prayer. It's like, oh, prayer. Kind of seems like such an arduous thing, you know, that it's difficult. But it's not. It's not. See, prayer is not begging God to intervene on our behalf. If you realize your authority, prayer is not trying to talk God into changing the circumstances we see around us. Again, God's waiting for us to flip the switch, to take the the authority, to bring justice to the situation. And if you can understand that, if you can understand that we're in a battle, prayer becomes speaking with our commander-in-chief. It means getting before our commander-in-chief and asking him, where are the attacks coming from? What spirits are working in West Central Spokane that we need to bind, or in my neighborhood, or in my neighbor's life? What do I need to be praying for? What do I need to be loosing? What do I need to be binding? Because again, it's in His power, and it's His authority that He's given us, and He can see it all. He knows. And so instead of us just being on our knees hour after hour, just praying, we need to be asking Him, God, what should we be praying for? What should we be binding? What should we be loosing? Prayer is asking the Holy Spirit to show you what needs to be bound and what needs to be loosed, and then thanking God for the victory. See, there's a lot of illegal activities happening in our cities. Not just illegally because of against the law, but illegally against spiritual law. See, if you look at Colossians 2.15, it says that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he, we're talking about Jesus here, made a public, public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he was raised, he once and for all stripped the devil of his authority. They have no power. The only reason evil still, evil still has reign on earth is because his church, the ecclesia, the final ruling authority here on earth, has not recognized their authority and has passively set back and let Satan gain ground. River's Edge, you have been planted into West Central Spokane for a reason. Yes, it's going to be nice to have your own building. But your comfort is not why God gave you that blessing. 
And you are not to wait on God for it to be changed, for that neighborhood to be changed. God is waiting for you to take action and to exercise your authority, and he will back it by his power. God is sovereign. God can do anything he wants to, but he needs you to work through. He needs a man to work through, a man or a woman that will step out in their authority and use that authority to bring change to a dying world. Are you ready to be used? Yeah? Are you ready to accept the responsibility and step up into that authority? All right, stand with me. I'm very passionate about this message and the ramifications it has on our world. I want each of us to be walking in our God-given authority. I want each of us to be powerful, to be walking in that power, to walk in the victory to see victory in our own lives and in the lives around us, to bring righteousness into the world. But you've got to ask this one question. Have I stepped into my rightful place of authority? Or have I allowed Satan to take ground around me while I looked on, thinking I was helpless or waiting on God? More importantly, who... Are you ready to accept the authority you were meant to walk in and start changing the world around you? Are you ready for that? River's Edge, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you would have even <laughs> trust and faith that you would even give us that type of authority. But you set it up from the very beginning that you wanted man to have authority here on earth. Lord, as followers of Jesus Christ, we accept that authority. Father, help us to walk in humility, but help us to understand the power behind that authority. And when we see injustice in our neighborhoods, speak to us, Holy Spirit, in how we should bind and what we should lose in order for God's power to change lives around us. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the blessing of the new building. I thank you for what you're doing in each of these individuals' lives. Father, help them to realize that they are the ecclesia, the final authority in West Central Spokane. Father, we ask you that from that building, your love will grow immensely and it will completely change and radically change that neighborhood. Lord, I thank you. I ask you that you'll protect them, that you'll give them insight, that you'll give them wisdom. Lord, help them to love one another like they've never loved before. And Lord, help them to open their arms to the people that you're going to bring them. Lord, this church, this ecclesia, this body of believers is going to change radically in the next year. It's going to grow. It's going to expand. There's always growing pains with that. But Lord, wrap your arms around them and keep them in your love. and Keep them unified as one. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.